All right, in May, we've been talking about being apprenticed by Jesus. And this has been a fascinating idea, and I think it's a little bit counter our culture right now of how we learn things. And it's been steering us back to relationship with Jesus. You know, the interesting thing about being apprenticed is that it's a whole self-activity. It's your mind, it's your body, it's all of you in as an apprentice. And if you think about that, that's a little bit different than the way we might approach learning these days. When you think about as an adult learner this morning, how do you learn things? You know, right now we read books, we listen to podcasts, we watch YouTubes to find out how to do things. And all those are great ways to bring information into our mind. But how does our body participate with learning? Well, I can't help not use this illustration, so think about swimming. If there's somebody in here who doesn't know how to swim, think about learning how to swim. Learning how to swim, how many books does it take to read and learn how to swim? I mean, what's the minimum number of podcasts you need to listen to so that you know how to swim? I mean, like, could YouTube videos, just watching those, get the job done? No, I think we all realize that taking in information into our head, into our mind is important, but swimming is a great example of you have to get into the water. You have to try it out. And actually, it might even help to have somebody in the water saying, yep, it's okay, come on in, let me help you, I'll save you if you start drowning. That's all helpful stuff for learning how to swim. Because to learn how to swim, it's an all-in activity. You have to get in the water, you have to feel what it feels like to float, you have to feel what it feels like to sink, you have to feel what it feels like to push your arms through the water. And that's like being apprenticed. It's an all-in, whole-self activity. Well, as we wrap up today, I want to finish with psychosomatic unity, USBs, and beacons. So let's start with my favorite word, words, psychosomatic unity. Isn't that a great phrase? Psychosomatic unity. You can't even spell it. It's such a good phrase. So psychosomatic unity. Psycho, of course, is the invisible, immaterial parts of you that make up you. So you other words might be spirit or soul, those things that are inside of you. And of course, psychology is the study of those things inside of you and your mind and how you work. But then, somatic, somo, is your body. It's the other part of you, right? This part of you that is your blood and your bones and your muscles and your neurons and your organs, your somatic part. So when you think about psychosomatic unity, it's this two things that are integrally together, and they cannot be separated. You are one whole, mind and body, invisible parts and visible parts together. So that's psychosomatic unity. Why is it so important? Well, it seems like in our humanity, we have this tendency to want to separate the invisible from the visible. We want to separate our lives out between you know, the mind part and the body part. And so we've been talking this series about easy believism. You know, this easy believism that we have this notion that we can in our minds assent to God and we can in our heart move toward God as this like internal private assent to God. And we can leave out our body. Just, it's, bodies are not essential to that. 
So easy believism is this idea that we can approach God with our mind, we can ascend to God, and we do not need anything else related to our body. But psychosomatic unity reminds us that we are a whole. We are together. We are one. Your mind and your body have to participate together. Here's what George MacDonald once wrote about this. He said, God offers life, but we must choose to live. This is a far different thing than choosing to be saved or accepting salvation. This is no matter of mere belief, but a description of how one lives. Let's read that again. Take that in. God offers life, but we must choose to live. This is a far different thing than choosing to be saved or accepting salvation. This is no matter of mere belief, but a description of how one lives. Mind and body living it out. Richard Rohr adds this in a quote. He says, You cannot make this spiritual journey in your head alone. In fact, actually, you cannot make it alone at all. You must be led. So all these things are speaking to this this sense that we can separate you know, our mind and our body. We can think that we can do this private ascent to God as a spiritual life matter, and it doesn't involve our body. But the reality is we are a psychosomatic unity. It all goes together in who you are, and it involves other people in that. You know, this is a timeless thing that we've, hum, humans have struggled with. And way back in the day, Jesus' brother James wrote this about this idea of psychosomatic unity. James said, What good is it, my brothers and sister, sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Well, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Psychosomatic unity is so important because it brings together our minds and our bodies, our invisible and visible together. And it's kind of like swimming. That you need to use your mind, of course, but you also participate in your body. And if you don't get in the water, you don't know how to swim. And the same goes for our spiritual lives, that if we don't participate as a whole, then we're falling short. Okay, next, USBs. Now, some of you immediately are thinking about that thing you plug stuff into your computer. That is called a universal serial bus, and that is not what we're talking about. I'm referring to USB as unceasing spiritual being unceasing spiritual being. That's what you and I are. We are unceasing spiritual beings. So as you think about this weekend, this is Memorial Day weekend, and Memorial Day is a day set aside to remember people who have lived before us. So as a kid, my experience of Memorial Day was to go with my grandparents to the cemetery to visit the graves of people who have lived before. So their parents and their siblings And in that experience, they would talk about and tell the stories and remember those people. And the way my grandparents talked about them 
was that they are still with us in heaven. This idea that they have continued on, they're just in heaven, and someday we will join them and be with them. And in this way, my, my grandparents just kind of helped me grasp this idea of being an unceasing spiritual being, that someday I will be in heaven with them as well. All right, let's pause one moment, and I want you to take this in as best you can. If you'd be willing to close your eyes, calm your body, calm your mind, and just consider for a moment that you are an unceasing spiritual being. Yes, someday this body will die, and your spirit will go to heaven and wait with Jesus in heaven and be with him. And when Jesus comes again for a second time, he will come and raise up your body and make it new and make it fit for heaven. And your body and your spirit will be joined together, and you will be with Jesus unceasingly in heaven forever. How glorious is that? All right, you can open your eyes. Hopefully you've grasped being an unceasing spiritual being. Well, as we've been talking about being apprenticed to Jesus, what was Jesus apprenticing them into? What is he apprenticing us into? So if you think back, way back to those original 12 guys that Jesus chose and said, hey, come follow me, what was he gathering them and training them into? Was Jesus apprenticing them into becoming church planters so that they would know the skills and know how to plant successful churches? Was Jesus training them to be revolutionaries who are going to push against the political system of the day and cause an uprising of people? No, Jesus wasn't doing any of those things. Jesus was apprenticing them to something different. Jesus was apprenticing them into being unceasing spiritual beings. Jesus was apprenticing them to be like him. What was Jesus? An unceasing spiritual being. Jesus came from heaven and now is teaching us how to live in this way. Think about Jesus. He's helping us begin living now in the kingdom of God. That's the language Jesus would talk about. He'd say, you know, live now in the kingdom of God. And here's the way. This is the life. I'll show you. You know, Paul used another kind of set of language when he said, you are in Christ and Christ in you. More language, helping us understand this idea that we have this life within us, this unceasing spiritual life, and now we just need to live it. It's not just knowing it in our head, but now we need to live it day in and day out. It's interesting. Jesus is helping these guys become unceasing spiritual beings like he is. And here's a comment that was made by some people who were not very happy with Jesus' followers. But here's what they said about Peter and John. It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. With Jesus. They were with Jesus. Jesus apprenticed them into his life, how to be an unceasing spiritual being. And that then produced the lives that people took notice of. 
All right, finally, beacons. A beacon, you know what a beacon is, right? A beacon is like a lighthouse sending out a light signal so ships can see in the dark and be led. Or if you're a backcountry skier, you carry a beacon with you so that if ever you get buried in the snow, the rescuers can come and listen to your beacon and dig you out. Or you can think about a two-way beacon, which is your phone, which I had a very scary experience with this a couple years ago. Took the kids on a rainy day to the mall to play in the little play area. And I got a text message from Verizon. They said, you are near a Verizon store, and your phone is ready for an update. Come in and get a new phone. I was like, what is going on? My phone is sending out a message, and then it's sending received, and then they're sending me back. It's the world we live in of beacons. You get it. You understand. But I want to take this idea of beacon one step deeper. Because when God created you and me, I think God put a beacon inside of us that he communicates to and we communicate back with him through. Now, this is pretty deep and complex. But you think about when God knitted you together in your mother's womb, he put in you this beacon so that he can communicate with you and you can communicate with him. Now, this is way deeper than words level. And it's even deeper than, like, thought level. And it's even deeper than emotions level. I mean, we're getting way deep within you, the place where you thirst from, the place where you have drive from. This is the place where God has put the beacon to communicate. Here's how Psalms 42 describes this in an interesting way. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God, that deep down place within you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You have this longing, when can I go and meet with God? A little further in the psalm, this is a great connection to the song that Dana just introduced us to. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to God of my life. Isn't that a great image of this deep place within you where God and you connect and communicate? But the thing is about our beacons is that our beacons get buried. Sometimes we think about kids. Kids have this nice connection with God that's like this openness to God because they haven't had all these layers of protection and whatever else piled up on top of their beacon. But we adults, we just live in this, this life where it just gets covered up, you know, where God's voice that is still and small and quiet is hard to hear. There's other noises. And being apprenticed to Jesus is this thing where Jesus is helping us pull back the layers so that we can connect and commune with God. He's helping us pay attention and hear and listen and connect with God. One way that Jesus taught was in parables. And in this month of May, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is saying these things that sometimes seem very strange. But in those parables, that's where the beacon is. 
It's kind of buried inside there. It's in the mystery of Jesus' words. If you're willing to listen and pay attention and look, God is in there wanting to communicate with you. The message is there. And so in sharing these parables, Jesus is helping us pull back some of the layers to see the kingdom of God. Jesus began the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. I just want to read the first couple of them to you. When Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Do you know why the poor are blessed? I think the poor are blessed because they don't have as many layers covering up their beacon. You know, they have less access to stuff that pushes God out and makes something else priority. You know, they just don't have the means to go buy comfort or to get out of their troubles. So as a result, their beacon is more open to God in that place of need. Do you know why those who mourn are blessed? Those who mourn are in pain. And their pain helps strip away the layers to reveal the beacon within. Helps us have the clarity to listen to God's still, small voice. You know, funerals, funerals are beacon moments in life. Because just for a moment at a funeral, if you've been at a funeral, you have perhaps felt this where it just feels like there's a pulling back and you see your own mortality and you see your own eternality and you, you grasp it. You hear that beacon connection at a funeral. Well, Jesus is apprenticing us to live as unceasing spiritual beings. He's apprenticing, apprenticing us to hear God's voice and to also commune and communicate back with God. For that beacon to be activated within us and to live from that place. So this whole idea of beacon is an idea that I got from a conversation I had with Tamara Seiler. Many of you have seen Tamara up here leading us in worship, and we are blessed to have such great people every week leading us in worship. But Tamara, in particular, is the one who has long blonde hair, as opposed to Dana, who has short blonde hair, and Diana, who has long blonde hair. It's very confusing who everybody is. But you can learn their names, too. <laughs> but Tamara also is distinguished by not wearing shoes. And Tamara, if you just ask her, Tamara, why don't you wear shoes? She'll say, because I don't want to. But I've known Tamara for a lot of years now, and Maybe some of you remember when Tamara, this is just who Tamara is. She's just like a cold, like body temperature, cold person. She used to wear snow boots like 10 months of the year. Who, you remember this? That's Tamara. But now she doesn't wear shoes. Why doesn't she wear shoes? I think it's because when Tamara was going through her cancer fight and she was going through chemo, someone said to her, hey, take your shoes off, go outside in the snow and walk around and it'll help. Tamara's like, no way, I'm already freezing, I'm not doing that. But she did actually try it, and it did help. And now, I think for Tamara, shoes off just is this simple place of connection for her to God. 
We did a video of Tamara a while back after her kind of cancer story was coming to a place where we could make a video and talking about how the layers of her life got pulled back to reveal that beacon. And I want us to watch that video once again. So let's take a look. I'm in. You can have everything. And I feel like slowly but surely over the past couple of years, he's been doing that. He's been coming for everything and making everything known and bringing everything to light. And I feel like I'm only in the middle of it or maybe in the beginning, I don't know. My name is Tamara Seiler and my husband is Max and we have two little kids, Grace and Paul. A couple days, maybe a week after I was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like the Lord said, I'm coming for everything. And he said that in um, a loving, powerful way. And I took that as he'll shine his light into every crevice, every ounce, every cell and bone in my body until there is nothing left that is untouched by him. And that's what I desired when he said that. I kind of came along with him and said, yeah, I'm in. When I got cancer, um, it, it was like I saw myself dying. Um, and simultaneously as my physical body started to die, something something came alive inside of me. So it was this neat dynamic to watch myself die and watch something else come alive. I said, well, if I'm gonna die, I'd like to go out praising the Lord. Don't ask me where that came from or what that was about, but that is what I said. So I committed to that. And so I would find myself crawling to my prayer room with my chemo pump on and just banging the floor and and shouting and screaming and um, just in agony, just take this away. And then all of a sudden I would be overwhelmed with this sensation to praise my creator. I wanted every ounce, every cell, every bone, every organ, every piece of my mind, every piece of my heart to know where it stood in the Lord's eyes. So when I lifted my hands and I said, you are good, you are good, I would shout it at the top of my lungs and move my body so that every ounce of me could feel that. Every ounce of me could feel that vibration of who I serve, where I stand, what my identity is so that um, the light could just shine everywhere in my mind, in my heart, in my bones, that the Lord said he was coming for everything and he wouldn't miss a spot. When I'm in worship, when I'm worshiping with the Lord, it's like a complete union where I'm, I know exactly who I am, I know exactly what I'm made to do, and there is no, there are no questions there. It's like everything just, falls off and I just exist and I just am and I just am with the Lord and that is complete and that's everything. I mean, what exactly myself is made to do on this earth 
is worship the Lord and be in communion with Him. That is what I'm talking about. That is what I'm made to do and that is what I feel when I do that. Ah, Tamara. You know, in her fight with cancer, that was an opportunity for God to pull back the layers, to get to the beacon place in her life where she felt God communicating with her and where then she just wanted to communicate back with God. And it just came as an impulse to want to sing, to want to praise, to want to begin to move her body and express her gratitude to God. So I tell Tamara all the time that she is a gift to Platte Park Church. And certainly Tamara has a nice voice. But when we're listening to Tamara sing, or Dana, or Charlie, or whoever... We're not just hearing their voice in the words. We're actually listening and hearing the beacon within that's communing with God and expressing itself through those words. You know, Tamara, when she sings that song, you are good, you are good, oh, good, however that goes. <laughs> so good. Those are the words, that's her voice, but that's originating way down in her beacon where she's connecting to the truth of that in the depths of her soul. And it is deep, calling out to deep. And then simply singing in those words and that is just an expression and an overflow from that inside beacon. So Tamara is leading us in freedom to tear off the layers, to remove the stuff that's holding us back from hearing God, and to come as our whole selves and be with God. I heard a, I, there's a, I'm adding this. This is a funny story about a Jesuit guy, a guy who wanted to join the Jesuit order, and he was in, in his 30s, really old, and they were like, sorry, you're too old, and because it's like a 20-year journey. And so he's like, okay, well, can I just hang around? And somebody's like, okay, you can hang around with me. And just thinking about this idea of apprentice to Jesus, this guy just was apprenticed to Jesus, and his job was to be the doorman at the church. And so whenever the door would knock, he would say in his mind, I'm coming, Lord. And whoever he met, he greeted as if it was Jesus showing up at the door. And I just think there's this great thing of Jesus apprenticing us that it's nothing about what we do or how to do it or the skill set, but if we are first apprenticed to Jesus in his life, then that's going to produce whatever we need to do in this life. Whatever God calls us to, it's from that place of being an unceasing spiritual being. So Jesus is reaching out to each of us, wanting to apprentice us into his life for us to be unceasing spiritual beings now and join him in that. And of course, books and podcasts and things like preaches are important information sources. But we need to take that and move it into our apprenticeship with Jesus where he's helping us in our bodies live it out, to do it, to do life with others. Jesus wants to move our whole psychosomatic unity into union with him. 
and has deep calls to deep. Jesus wants to communicate with us. And when that happens, then we can go out into all the many places of life, work and friends and tasks and everywhere, and we can live with God. Because God gives us life, and then we choose to live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. Awaken us to being unceasing spiritual beings alive with you now, today, and forever. Pray that we would use these moments to join you. Help pull back all the layers that get in the way and help us see clearly and live fully with you. Pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.